Hello, everybody, and welcome to Movie Buffs. This is a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Cisco, a.k.a. Misfit Minded, and you can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm your other host, Shani B, and you can find me on all the socials at Shani B Movies. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk these movies that we watched first because we both have some throwbacks, and then you oh, saw yeah. Black Phone, so obviously we need <laughs> yep. to process that together. Um, obviously. Uh, so I rewatched My Cousin Vinny, and I straight up I was like, I wonder it, what Cisco's relationship to this is. Like, do have you seen My Cousin Vinny? Do you like have do you, yeah? Like, what's your vibe on it? Because it's an all time yeah. favorite of mine. I love it. Yeah, like. I want to say I saw it like in the last few years. So like, it's not like I know a lot of people, like you said, like it's their all time favorite and everything. And like, right. you know, obviously uh, the, the Oscar win, that was like a huge thing for Marissa Tomei. Um, and so I think that's why I watched it, honestly, because I just wanted I was just curious. But uh, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was funny. It's just it's hard to it's, so funny. it's hard when people hold it up like that high to be like, you know what I mean? Like. I don't have it's this lifelong crazy. obsession with it, but I do like it. Like I did, I did like it. <laughs> There's just something very Italian, about the way, very Italian yes, movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's so Italian, and there's just something about the way Joe Pesci says the f word. Like when he's like, "What the fuck?" Oh, yeah. Like it's just yeah. next level. So funny to me. So I had to get in the throwback zone. But you also watched a throwback, and I am <laughs> even more curious to know your relationship trip to yeah. this movie uh, i just wanted yeah just i wanted to say like joe pesci and the the judge in there and like their back and forth was like probably my favorite stuff you know when he tells him like he has to wear a tie you and everything he's like oh you were serious shit? about that yeah. <laughs> it's true. that it was like the a best special that kind was... mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um but yeah so i watched wild things yesterday for the first time <laughs> ever oh my god it was the first i had never seen it yeah oh my god your life is forever changed i'm so excited for you i'm I'm not the same i'm not the same it was what a ride tell me what a ride that movie is (laughs) i was like really good it's really good i'll say that like and that's why i wanted to watch it too because it does have a reputation too of people like really liking it kind of cult classic status Mm -hmm. um and you know from the opening shots i was like man this is like really well shot but also very over the top and almost like a satire like yeah yeah (laughs) because like everyone wants to fuck matt dylan the whole time (laughs) it was like i was like okay what kind of movie am i i i had no idea i literally had no idea and then like once the plot starts like unraveling itself and like I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, it's one of those kind of movies. Like, I only so thing I knew unexpected. about it going in was that there was, like, a nude scene with, like, Nev Campbell. And <laughs> that's all I knew going in. So there is that. There is that. But uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot more, too, like, under the surface. Like, I didn't even know Kevin Bacon was in it. I was like, oh, shit, Bacon's in this thing? Like, <laughs> oh, yep, he hangs dong. Spoiler alert. Yep, it's I didn't know amazing. that either. <laughs> I oh, said, man, I think so I texted somebody for you. and I said, I think I texted somebody and I said, oh shit, uh, bacon showing sausage in this thing. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's that's one of the most shocking things about this movie. And this movie is so much better than anyone probably thinks it is if they haven't seen it before, because it's good. It's like a meta erotic thriller. It is self-aware in a lot of ways, you know, over the top, like you're saying, but also really full of twists and turns you just don't see coming. And I love rewatching it. Maybe too many. So good. Maybe like (laughs) yeah. Turns, you could argue. <laughs> I guess it does. It's really fun. It's even satirical in that where you're just not sure if it ends. And I kind of love that about it too, because it makes me think of Clue. It feels sort of like Clue, mm. you know, choose your own adventure or something by the end. But what a ride, just like you said. Oh my God. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And I was again, I texted somebody and I was like, I think people that wouldn't like this movie, like are missing the point that it's supposed to be trashy and fun. And you know what I mean? Yes. It was the same thing when uh, Deep Water came out this year with yes. Ben Affleck and Anna Armis. And I was like, it's not supposed to be like great and make sense. Like, it's just, uh, it's just a stupid, like, uh, yeah, you know, trashy sex thriller. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be hot. It's supposed to get you like titillated, but also like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. And yep. that's what I got. That's, that's what Wild Things is. So I definitely would recommend that. Because uh, I had a really I good would, time with that. Yeah, I would definitely say Wild Things greater than Deep Water, but to each yes. of them. <laughs> I would also I would also say that, but you know, still it's like Ben Affleck and Adarmus. I mean, come next on. level. <laughs> yeah, but you, you do get like Denise Richards and and Nev Campbell in a threesome scene, also. So I mean, three three is better than two. It's true. It's true. There is pretty much everything you could want in this movie. And it's also a 90s gem. So there's just no, it's just the best. I'm so glad you watched it. I'm so excited. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, I saw Black Phone this morning, actually. Um, And uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I I do think it's getting a little overhyped, like just a tad, like where it's like, there it is. I mean, like, I like it, but also like, I, you know, I, and I I hate to be like, you know, because it's Joe Hill wrote it, Stephen King's son. It's very Stephen Kingy, and I, which I normally yeah. do like, but, I, you know, it was just like, this is like it, but without the mm-hmm. scary clown, it's like more yeah. with Ethan Hawke and these masks. And I, I didn't, there wasn't enough of him for me. Like, I was like, he kind of gets like lost in the movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, I wanted not even to like know more about him, but just have him be more of a presence like he's always sort of like I, I guess that maybe that was a choice like to have him in the background and stuff and like not show him as much but like yeah, yeah. I don't know I, I wanted I wanted more twists I wanted more of like action chasing like more of that thriller aspect like in misery or something uh one of the one yes. of the classic Stephen King thriller that's trapped inside of a house you know something like that and I didn't think there mm-hmm. was enough of those like I, I pretty much saw what was coming i never really was surprised even though there's some really effective scare jump scares and an overall mood of like creepiness throughout and and ethan hawk is legit creepy as fuck uh mm-hmm. <laughs> so it has a lot yeah, going for it, it but i just i think people are just oversold me on it i think that's what it it boils down to for me yeah same same i just couldn't figure out exactly what people meant when they were like whoa this movie is so good and i agree i feel like it was just like pretty good you know ethan hawk in my opinion is really scary he does a great job but we like don't get enough of him and weirdly we lose a lot of tension throughout because the kid is like 
able to do all kinds of shit in this room with like zero consequences. So there's right, like a lot exactly. of, there's just a lot of shit where I'm like, this movie's not actually scary. I don't know what, how to describe this movie. It's like creepy, I guess, you know, like creepy. Was That's it what I've been saying. Yeah. I can't remember if it was R or PG 13. They say like cunt a little bit in there. I think like two or three times. Oh. So I want to say R. You're probably right. It just felt like it wasn't even scary enough to be R. You know, like I guess I was expecting, I was expecting so much worse with like those masks and shit. They just alluded to something even darker. And the fact that we yeah. like didn't really do anything other than be like, yo, this mask. A lot of the violence was off screen. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of the violence was off screen. And like, again, I think that was intentional but like yeah to your point like misery mm. like she finds i think she finds the knife that he was hiding and uh i think that's right before uh the hobbling sequence i want to say <laughs> <laughs> and it's yes. like so he gets he gets punished for mm -hmm. you know trying to to like plot against her and escape and like yeah i, I did need a lot more of that like I, I know exactly what you're saying and i needed more of ethan hawk to um but yeah it was i mean like you said it was pretty good it's not my favorite horror movie you know, this year by far. And I also would say that I prefer Sinister, uh, Scott mm. Derrickson's er earlier movie with uh, Ethan Hawke more than this one. For, like by a And I, I've heard people say opposite. I've heard people say they like this one more. And I just, I don't know. Sinister mm. is just an another level for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back and forth because I actually have the same feelings about Sinister where to me it's also like kind of okay just because it doesn't feel all the way fleshed out in the way I want it to just like this one did. So I kind of go back and forth and I can't decide, but I do like yeah. that Ethan Hawke is scream King. He's out here in scary movies and I love it. It's so good. Yeah. I just, I think for sinister, what pushes it over for me is the whole, you know, investigation angle and Ethan Hawke's like obsession that kind of like mm. eats him alive, lit literally, like at right. the end, you know, yeah. uh, like it's so at least with that one, you have like a character that you're with the entire time and inside of his mindset and like the home video footage is like, that's true. Just night nightmare fuel <laughs> from Sinister. Yes. Like, I think that had the record for like scariest movie or something for a long time. Um, they did like a study or something and people were saying Sinister's. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's and they even like pay homage, I feel like in the black phone, the opening credits are home uh, video and there's yes. home video stuff throughout throughout. And I was like, OK, but like, you know, Sinister had some like family murders happening on the home video. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> yeah. don't get it. Don't get it confused. Sinister really showed you like the stuff they don't show you in black phone. So it's true. Yeah, it's true. I guess yeah. you're right about that. That's the variation. That's why I guess I thought Black Phone was like maybe even PG-13 because it just felt so much more tame than I was ready for. I was I was ready for it to be fucked up, you know? Right. And I think it's interesting that everyone I know that saw it was kind of like, it's good, but it's not scary. I had like four people that know me and are into mm -hmm. horror movies basically say that to me. And I was like, OK, that's weird because usually like. You know, I don't get scared at horror movies very easily, but for like all these people to say it's not scary and like it's a it's supposed to be like this really terrifying like thriller that was, that was being sold to me. Um, mm -hmm. I should have known that that was like a clue that something was off. And uh, yeah, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't very scared either. Like there's like I said, a couple of jump scares, overall right. atmospheric mood, creepiness uh supernatural stuff but like i don't know yeah it, it was just the blending of everything together it didn't really mesh together like yeah. i thought it would 
Yeah. Also, I mean, I have to say this spoiler alert too, because I just need to like say that I'm kind of disappointed. It was really messed up that the dad straight up beat the sister with a belt and there was like no real punishment for that. Like he didn't, mm. you know, die rescuing his son or something. They were, he was just yeah. like, oh man, forgive me. And I did not, I was not about that life. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it was like uh, it reminded me of it where they were trying to say, you know, the parents in this town are neglectful or abusive <laughs> towards. Yes. <laughs> in other words, pieces of shit towards the kids. <laughs> and so uh, that was almost as scary as being abducted. You know, the home life was just a scary, I guess, type of thing. But yeah, that totally. was kind of a weird that was kind of a weird angle too. like I'll admit where. You know, she she was kind of like, you know, trying to please him a lot of the movie. And then like he gets yeah. like kind of an, like a, a forgiveness arc at the end type of thing. Like, yeah, that was I, I agree. Wasn't into it. Uh, not 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 great. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Yes, big swing and a miss, but good try. And yeah, I agree. Like, I think you're right. It, it had a lot of King vibes to it. But, you know, we needed more than that. I know I do. Yeah, I'd even say like Exorcism of uh, Emily Rose too. Like I like that one probably more than this. That's the other the other Scott Scott Derrickson movie. Like yeah, I so, think I that's was kind of that's my favorite. My expectations were very high. Like going into this, I was like very like very much looking forward to this. But um, you know, sometimes it just you know it's based on a short story. Maybe that didn't help it. You know, they had mm. to expand it probably longer than it actually is. Right. And, uh, but you know what? All all uh, the power to him. It's doing great for a low budget horror film. And uh, Blumhouse, yeah, even though I don't like everything they put out, you know, support horror. I love horror, so yes, it's good to see. Same, yeah, same, same. It's doing well, and that that is all that matters to me too. So nice. All right, cool. So yeah, I want to get into this uh, episode today. Let's do it. All right. Today we're talking about Steven Spielberg's 2002 sci-fi action thriller, Minority Report. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, uh, it's about a future where murders are stopped before they can be committed. Um, and the chief of the pre-crime division, as it's called, finds himself accused of a future murder. Tom Cruise uh, mm. being the, the man accused in this scenario. So, yeah, Shani B., are you a fan of this movie? What do you love? What do you hate? Absolutely. I mean, if Tom Cruise is there, I am there. And if Spielberg <laughs> is there, I am there. I love mm -hmm. the way Steven Spielberg creates dystopian futures. You know, they're not, they are uh, harrowing or something, but they're not the kind of darkness that other films can really get lost in or really hopeless in. There's still like a space where there's hope in the future. And I feel like his is the closest to a a future that might like actually happen in real life. So I love that he is the designer of that. And mm -hmm. yeah, the design itself, all the details, like the balls with the names on them and the light up holographic glove computer and the like memories and shit made me think a lot of Blade Runner 2049 and, you know, what they do there, sort of lifting off of this and making it even better, of course. But like, I love all that shit. You know, the I love this story. This strange kind of futuristic story is really, really cool, too. And of course, like I said, like Spielberg, TC, uh, they're the best. They always catch me. I'm always out here crying, even when I don't <laughs> expect to. So it it is yeah. so, so good. Um, and I love it. What about you? 
it's so funny because we kind of had the same reaction. Like we did not talk before this, but I, I thought like a lot, a lot of the same lines. Like uh, I was too, was thinking about how this is like a lighter, you know, sci-fi futuristic flick, like kind of what we, what we were talking about with Fifth Element, you know, on an earlier yes. episode. Um, mm-hmm. I also like Steven Spielberg's like futuristic films. I'm a huge fan of Ready Player One, which like, you know, that's kind yes. of a, a film that's kind of divisive, I guess, in his filmography, but I, I, I still really like it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, like him and Tom Cruise worked on World of the Worlds too after this. So I'm, I'm guessing mm-hmm. the relationship was good that started here. And uh, I actually like this one better. I mean, I, I feel like this one doesn't get the love that War of the Same. Worlds gets for for some reason. And I think maybe because it's more of a uh, noir-ish, like slower paced uh, you know, sci-fi movie, but I like that about it. Like, I like that, you know, it takes a while for, you know, the action sequences to, to really start, you know, because you're, you're kind of being, um, shown to introduced to this world that you're not mm-hmm. familiar with. And I think they do such a great job with that. Like with a lot of the stuff you're saying, like the production design and, you know, the, the things he's doing with his hands, which could look ridiculous, but like, like, you know, sometimes it drives me crazy. And like Avengers mm-hmm. when like Iron, yes. Iron Man is like had 50 tabs at one time. And he's just like in the air, like juggling all this stuff. And it's like, no, this uh, in every scene where technology happens, I feel like there's a level of groundedness, which they, purposefully made sure to have like knowing Spielberg like the gloves you can see what he's doing and what he's pulling from and like what he like it doesn't seem like he's just waving his hands around and and like stuff is popping up um Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff is like on like little glass tablets and like being inserted and injected it's like it's all physically there like which is I, I love that because so much so often nowadays I feel like it's just so all CGI and I can't tell there's no there's no heaviness to it there's no weight to it and it like it takes me out of it and like i feel like this one even the drugs that he does when he like you know he inhales that little inhaler thing and you see it mm-hmm. go down and disappear like it's going into his mouth or so like it's just little yes. details like that where i'm like okay i can see that actually being a thing and so like that's you know that's just yes. some of the things i like about it but i i really do like this one too and uh, i think it's underrated honestly in spielberg's filmography Absolutely. It to me it feels so much like an homage to 2001 because there are so many things that feel like true morphs of the past and the present as we know it and what the future will probably be like. You know, there are like USA Today newspapers around. There are all the right, brands yeah. we know but they're in the future and they're reimagined subtly and it just makes me think of 2001 and how I love that there are filmmakers who care about those details because they really set a scene that I just get lost in this world every time. And like you were saying with The Fifth Element, that one is like slightly campier. So it's a little harder to feel like I'm in on. But I'm like riding the edge of my seat when I watch this movie. And that's just such a rare thing, especially today, even when the movies are really good. Yeah. And like, you know, to to bring it back to Blade Runner, like you you mentioned that earlier, too, like this is also based on a Philip K. Dick short story. So um, yes. there's like where some of that that influence comes there. But, you know, even the visual influences like from Ridley Scott in that movie, you can kind of see in this one, too, because, you know, Blade Runner is like probably the the holy father of sci-fi movies, modern sci-fi movies. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and then even just like the the precog stuff, because like that's kind of where you get 
you know, some of the the futuristic stuff where it's like these these people that can see murders before they happen. And what does mm-hmm. that mean? Uh, you know, for and Tom Cruise, there's all this whole division where, you know, Tom Cruise works at and it's very similar to iRobot to another sci fi movie, which came out around this time where Will Smith totally. uh gets kind of framed and he also has a I can't remember if it's his wife or son too is like killed in that as well from like uh yes. something so I was getting he a lot of vibes from that someone. as well yeah he mm-hmm. couldn't save someone yeah. Ooh, so he that's a good blames one. himself and he has to work yep. he has to work at this job to prove himself uh now so, so good I like yeah. that one too Reliable. that's a good one mm-hmm. I like it too like we can put that on the list I would I I, I like Will Smith's sure. uh, sci-fi action sci-fi stuff i am legends another one that i really like so good yep yeah yeah it's true i feel like the the this world and all the things and how they fit into it is really interesting because i think in the same way this could like end up being david lynch's dune you know like it really could have gone sideways if there wasn't the right grounding (laughs) and i feel like i appreciate that too because to your point like with good source material and then good collaborative filmmaking like with someone like steven spielberg how he always works it's amazing to see how you don't have to make it as dark as any of the other stories that he's written because you know like he does a scanner darkly and like other mostly stories that are pretty dark and i kind of love that this one is just easy to access because i I could watch it with like teens or something and i probably would like wait on blade runner (laughs) right no that's that's a good point blade runner is definitely more mature um i also Mm -hmm. think like you know, speaking of everything feeling like cohesive and intentional in this movie, like the look of it, mm-hmm. I feel like really, really holds up. Like, because, you know, you're talking about like brightness and as far as yes. like the tone of the movie. But I also think like literally visually, it's very bright all the time. Like everything is shiny. Uh, there's yes. like light reflecting off of everything. It's like this very clean, Hot. utopian like yeah it's like and it's uh, like just the way that they 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 did that and and you know saw the future um looking like that because you know blade runner is the opposite of that it's rainy and grungy mm-hmm. uh and like yeah. uh you know it's all alleys and stuff but i think you know that there's some scenes where he does kind of go into those like areas where it's you know when he's buying the drugs or mm-hmm. when he has to uh, get get the eyeball surgery and it just like kind of makes those <laughs> those scenes hit too like a little bit harder so um yeah i'm trying to get the the cinematographer's name on it but i i just think that was like an, another choice that like really holds up and even with the special effects like Mm-hmm. There's uh, like you said, David Lynch is doing very over the top. The special effects don't hold up. Um, and this one, I think like other than some like maybe some green screen stuff, you know, mm-hmm. during like the fly, the flying and jumping and stuff like that. I thought it right. looked really good. Like for being yes. 20 years old, this is the 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. There's there's movies that were made in the, the 90s and the 2000s using, you know, CGI, futuristic CGI looks mm-hmm. way worse than this. <laughs> like yeah. this, this yeah. movie, you know, even I was even thinking like the cars that were, you know, coming off the building and stuff. It was kind of yes. reminding me of like Tr- uh, Tron, you know, with the mm-hmm. race, the race pods and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, they just they everything, everything looks looks really good. And, and uh, you know, part of the same world, nothing really you know, stand, stood out to me as like, oh, maybe the only one that didn't hold up before getting into to plot holes and questions yes. here is when uh, the hacker guy is like, 
hey, if uh, you want you want uh, help, take it to Radio Shack. And I was like, oh, Radio Shack. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. They couldn't have predicted that like Radio Shack was not going to be around will, for too long. <laughs> maybe Spielberg could go back and remaster this to include a different brand, like how he took the yeah. guns out of the agent's hands in E.T. He just like straight right. up changed that image so he could probably fix it. <laughs> We could, I could, but I, I laughed really hard at that because like, it's so good. I mean, there's, there's really no other, I mean, like you said, newspapers, I guess, but they, you know, they make them moving and stuff. I like that. They do that. Um, you know, everyone just has phones now. That's like, uh, and, uh, I'm trying to think the cars, there's like Lexus. I know like worked out a deal to have like the main, the red car that he drives be a Lexus and stuff. So, so nice. that was, I thought, but, uh, you know, we'll talk more about that scene later. I don't want to step on uh, any of that stuff. But, yeah, any any questions or plot holes that, like, you had uh, before we move on? I mean, mostly with, like, the story itself. I am curious about how the whole precog system can work if it's still pretty human dependent. Because I know that right. uh, Tom Cruise at one point's like, don't think of them as human, you guys, which is so silly because they absolutely are, which means they'll grow up someday and definitely die one time. So it is pretty funny that they're, you know, trying so hard to expand this program because right now there's three people focusing on a city three people focusing on a huge country is like a crazy ask. So I also don't really see how that could be on the line when there's not like maybe a secret also present that tells me how they'd be able to take this thing and extrapolate it across those things. So Hmm. mostly I'm like over here to, (laughs) to complain about storytelling that doesn't seem real. (laughs) No, it's a good, um, it's a good, uh, it's a good point. And like, I didn't think about that uh, to be honest, but now that I, you do have me thinking about that, like, I wonder if that's in the short story, first of mm. all. And, uh, and also like if that could have been easily fixed by just saying that, you know, we're going to have the, there's one woman, the one female reproduce or like, we're going to yes. take her, D, we're going to have take her DNA and make, um, you know, clones Close. of it or something. But they did say the, the old lady did say that like, sh- they were the only three that survived. So right. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> right. it was a little I don't know bit- how they would have worked around it. Yeah, Yeah, little yada yada. And I guess like that's the thing about a short story is it's pretty short. So sometimes not all the questions have been answered. And I guess other than that, it's just uh, when when Agatha is like, yo, drop some change for that unhoused dude back there. So oh, yeah. the cops can trip over him. I was like, oh, OK, that's that doesn't age. That's, well. that's not cool. <laughs> like should have been some should have been another person. Um, I do. Yeah. I do like uh, the, the the device, though, of like when he takes Agatha out of the temple, uh, mm-hmm. when uh, that she's like predicting stuff around him like that. I always love that. Like, um, yes. And on another example of what we just did, um, I don't think it's in the born identity necessarily mm. it might be in like the born supremacy uh okay. but there's a scene i think it is the sequel there's a scene where uh born are, is uh talking to somebody on the phone and he's like take a left here and like all right stop okay now go like it's like that type of like yeah. 
you're, you're watching the person take the advice. So like her being like, you know, uh, don't go yet and stop in the balloons, go in front of him. Like that stuff. Yes. Was great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of stop, start, up, down, tension, but like roller coaster style where it's not traumatic. It's just exactly what Steven Spielberg does. And of course, my man, John Williams is coming through with the score, which is always good. Always. So, oh man. Yeah. I mean, I, and I it makes always it- forget. And then I'm reminded like, oh, yeah, they are perfect (laughs) together. So they often come together. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just going to say it makes it more plausible that he can get away from the cops as much as he does, because like after a certain point, it's like, are these just like the worst cops in the world? Like, you know, (laughs) after like, but then it's like this is the third time and he has Agatha like helping him out. So he has an extra leg up on them. So I do like that. And I do actually, to your point, I love when Colin Farrell points that out also, because one of the cops is taking a guess about the crime scene when they discover the photos. And he's like, how many murders have you even worked? And he's like, none. (laughs) None. (laughs) So there is something to be said for like a little nod to if there's no crime, are people going to be good at spotting crime? So that's kind of did not even think about that. That's so that's what it is. They're not they're trash mm-hmm. because they haven't had to do their jobs. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise has been basically doing it for the whole department. Just like amazing, yeah. like orchestrating the the computer and knowing everything. He's like a precog himself in so many ways in this movie. Um, so, yeah, the rest of the cops, they got nothing to do. Just like small town cops are so bad at everything. I do love that opening uh, scene, too, where you get to see Tom Cruise, like, stop the murder for the first time that, like, you want to talk about, like, tension and everything when, like, you know, he's in the he's in the office, like, trying to figure out, like, what where the house is and, like, what playground and the kids on the opposite side. So I have he's, like, reversing it to he's like, oh, that's a merry that's a merry go round or whatever. And so they have to it's like all this, like, real time tension that they're doing. And then, you know, when he has to. Uh, be like, okay, did he leave the door open? Did he leave the door open? And, you know, all that stuff, which, uh, yes. you know, similar similar to Black Phone in a way where I thought they could have done a little bit better with the, you know, real-time suspense mm-hmm. of it. Um, and in this one, I, there was uh, several times where there's a clock, they're showing how much time until the murder or whatever. And yes. um, I actually noticed, I did this uh, too, like because I, I found it in the research and I tested it out myself. There's one where it's like he has 51 minutes until Tom Cruise commits the murder that he's accused of. Mm-hmm. And I paused it and it was like 51 minutes until the end of the movie. Yes. And I was like, I love when movies do that. Like, (laughs) I just love what, because a lot of times the timing is so off to what it really is when we're watching Mm it. Uh, And so, you know, like the movie, there's one movie that I can think of that did that too. It's really terrible though, but uh, 88 minutes with uh, Al Pacino. I think it actually is 88 minutes. Which I was like, I give them props for actually trying to do that, but it's just a bad movie. It is. (laughs) Yeah, you're right about that. Mm -hmm. uh, But this one does that a lot. Like all the timing stuff, if you check the movie, if you pause the movie, the the editing, the editors did a really nice job of making sure it's actually a minute, 50 seconds, whatever, you know, until Mm -hmm. it actually happens. So, yeah, I just thought that was was another, another good detail. Yeah, I mean, the the trademark of a great director, which Steven Spielberg fucking always is. So obviously these things are going to be thought through. And I just appreciate, again, how great all Mm -hmm. this material is. You know, it's the the 
I feel like you were trying to look up the cinematographer and I was hoping that it was someone we would both I got recognize. It. I was going to say when you I found their name, because the cinematography <laughs> is crazy. Like there are so many beautiful sweeping shots around people when they turn to leave rooms and through people's arms when they're oh, talking yeah. to each other in tense ways. Like the noir you mentioned, that noir element is also steeped in the filmmaking in such a cool way. And I love it. So yeah, the the cinematographer is uh, Janice Janice Kaminsky. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he works with cool. Spielberg a lot. Like he did Schindler's List with him, uh, the new West West Side Story with him. Like uh, a lot a lot of Spielberg movies. Nice, yeah, he's a good sweeping cinematographer. So smart because this movie does have a lot of sequences that go on longer than you think. Yeah, yeah. It moves. It moves. Uh, it keeps that it keeps that suspense um, going throughout, like even before Tom Cruise is even accused, which, you know, at some point is going to happen yes. because this was like the Mission Impossible era where like if Tom Cruise is in a movie, yes. he's going to get accused of some shit and he has to run away. You just know that's going to happen. <laughs> so, yep, yeah, he spent a decade clearing his name and on film. So this is no exception. And uh, he's got to get, get the into- knock list. The yes. knock list to prove his innocence, as we discussed in our Mission Impossible episode. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Yeah, it, he he takes it seriously. And I appreciate that because it's like his ability to be so grounded is really good too. you know, not to step on our favorite performances or anything like that, because that was really hard to pick like a favorite in this one. Everyone is also so well cast, right? Like everything is working so well up until the the cast and then the cast is also so good mm, yes no we can get into that like uh i i would say my favorite performance in this is is probably tom cruise honestly like and it's it's because it's so different than like what you usually like see from him like i feel like uh he definitely like ramps it up like emotionally uh mm-hmm. with the stuff with his son you know like a, particularly the scene where you know he's yeah. about to kill the guy and he has he's like conflicted about like you know and then he ultimately decides not to kill him uh yep. spoiler alert i guess uh, <laughs> and he you know he's he's reading him his miranda rights you know like in just the 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 readings of that like he's like it hurts him to re- yeah. read this guy and be like i'm taking you in even though every ounce of me wants to kill you because mm-hmm. i think you killed my son um or kidnapped my son so yeah i was mm-hmm. really impressed with um tom cruise even though there are a lot of um good supporting performances here too that i want to talk about but that was just like my favorite but uh what about you i same same like tc is so friggin' good in this movie too it's hard to not want to not just only look at his performance as the tentpole but something i realized when i was rewatching this time is the dichotomy that him and colin farrell are having like a cop of the past in the future and a cop of the future stuck in the past and so i really was having a hard time deciding whether or not i thought like colin farrell was genius this time around sort of <laughs> gumshoeing it like being such yeah. a prick the way that cops are and you know well, it's the, the FBI of it all like the FBI versus the yeah. local cops which we see in all these action movies it's just the uh, mm-hmm. different you know the future version of it <laughs> yes yes yeah. and there's just such like authenticity in both of their performances I think particularly to that moment when Tom Cruise has a gun on Colin Farrell in the elevator and Colin Farrell just like stays cool because he trusts pre-crime enough to 
stay cool until yeah. the alarm goes off and the look on his face as it changes. Like he shits from, his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. God, it's so, so good. And he's just such a good actor too. I love I love that they're in this film together and that they have each other as these polos. It's mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I think I think I have to say it's gotta be Colin Farrell. <laughs> Oh, nice. I, I like I like I like when we have a split a split vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's cool. But yeah, I also was going to say, too, there's like a really interesting like Catholic Irish Catholic thing going on with him, too, where he's like praying, you know, before yeah. the fight. And like he always has like the little like rosary uh, thing. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where, you know, Tom Cruise, he doesn't really ever get in. He's, he believes in the precog, uh, you know, method over over everything. So I thought that was like another interesting wrinkle in it that's like they're, they're opposing sides i guess uh religious versus what's actually happening the science versus religion yeah totally yeah because they also try to make the pre the precogs into something religious and it is interesting that ultimately what does colin farrell in is is like his faith in people and spirituality over the science because yeah. you know of the the best uh, I mean, oh man, I want. I'm trying to get into best kill over here because it's just <laughs> such a good send off. Well, I was gonna say too, like Max von Sydow. Like as soon as he's uh, cast in a movie, you also know that he's the villain. Uh, right. So, That's right. He, there's so, never. He's never getting that past us. So I also forgot that he was in the movie, and as soon as like I was, they were like trying to figure out who was like the mole. I was like, oh, it's clearly Max von Sydow. <laughs> like, it's just there's no other. There's no other candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I thought that was funny too. But like, yeah, that. I mean, you could kind of nitpick that, that why did Colin Farrell just show him and nobody else? You know, I guess he's like the head, but like, Mm. it seems like it seemed like there was a couple other dudes in there that like were working with him that he could have been like, hey, guys, check this out. You know, what do you think about this? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it does show the idea of like people think they're smarter than science or smarter than technology, and that can sometimes do them in. And people also underestimate old folks. And that's something True. that also does them in, in, you know, like thrillers or action suspense, especially noirs that often is what does people in. So it's pretty, it's pretty great how like each of those notes gets hit here. Um, the Achilles heel of everybody in the movie is what ends is what leads to their consequences in the end. And that's also just like clutch ass writing. And I do wish Colin Farrell wasn't it more like I, I think. Same. I think there was a little bit of like he was in it to try. He's kind of a red herring to where like you you maybe think that he's the one setting all of this yeah. up or whatever. And then so when the you know uh, side out like kills him, it's like oh shit! Like supposed to be this oh shit! Like it's not Colin Farrell. But I yep. just was like, well, I I still kind of want like Tom Cruise versus Farrell a little bit more. Like, I could use just a little bit more of that, you know. Um, but it, yeah, he he kind of gets like a a smaller part in the, in the grand scheme of things, but he's still good. Like you said, like I, I still do like him in this movie. True, true. I wanted more of him for sure, because I liked the idea of, you know, when he does start to have the instinct that, you know, TC is actually telling the truth. I liked that. And I was hoping he'd be in it more so that they could like work together and understand, yeah, that like science and religion sometimes can work together. together. (laughs) But this is not a Ridley Scott movie. So we didn't do that. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's um, okay exactly and I, if yeah. i was in tom cruise shoes too like i get they're trying to it's a paradox that like if you try and stop the future it's still gonna happen or whatever i would just mm-hmm. i would just chill at home i just like lock the door you know watch whatever Crazy. like futuristic hologram netflix they have going on you know and just mm-hmm. like i'm not killing anybody in my apartment like my crusty apartment here <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's a full werewolf situation. And then once yeah. the window of time is over, then I'll go figure out who set me up. But exactly. I'm not taking no uh, risks. <laughs> but that that's a whole like, you know, the where he rolls the ball off the table and Con Farrell catches it. And it's like, can you even do that? Like it would probably it might still happen even if you try and prevent it. So I, I get it. But, you know, I just thought that was funny. And that was actually what if we're getting into favorite shots. Um, I, mm. I was going to go, I was going to go with the precogs, the overhead of the precogs. Like it just looked like so symmetrical and like, you know, with the water yes. and just almost like, you know, like you say, religious, like it's like this biblical image of, of, you know, these three like pillars, um, you know, futuristic thing. But, um, I, I, I like when he's in his apartment and the hologram, like kind of, of his memories come out and it's like a, yeah. speaking of sweeping shots it goes around to make to like show you that it's 3d and tom cruise mm-hmm. is like uh talking to these holograms and it's so sad it's like you yeah. you know why he's so obsessed or whatever and it's almost like um you know that black mirror episode if you could record all of your memories and everything it's like i would never yes. want that because you know you can become so addicted to that and and not not be able to let go so uh the fact that he has like all these memories that he's just replaying over and over again it's it's a dangerous thing i mean like say social media is almost kind of an extension of that i feel like in a way where it's kind of taking taking over people's lives and so there's there's some of this stuff that i think i feel like um you know applies to today and and that's another like blade runner 2049 you know with the you know anna character and these projections that are we were they're there for us they're like our wives or his wife in the movie yeah. but it's like is it really it's not really a person you know but it's, it's the line so is blurring the line is blurring so so much now that um it's it's crazy well it's like how tom cruise says you know like the, we're imagining what it will mean when when things that either look or present as human are not human and obviously in this story they are but in 2049 he's not in the original blade runner rachel isn't and yet they like have these needs and want a partner so there's something like pretty interesting just about that because you know like you said we don't even really talk about what they're going to do with Ag- agatha but they do love to talk about how the female is the most important one and the most powerful one. So it's not like they're ignoring her sex. You know what I mean? Mm. No, yeah, I, I also like that too. And, you know, interesting that in the Matrix, the Oracle is also female. That's true. Uh, so That's true. Yeah. Ladies, a- where are my ladies at? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. God is a lady. We all know this. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite shot, though? I don't, I don't think, did you say it? No, no, no. My favorite shot is when, you know, he discovers that the person, the murder he's witnessing is him committing it. And just the way he's like playing it back and forth over and over and over again until, you know, his coworker comes and he has to hide it. It's just like so uh, jarring. And it's he tells the guy uh, how much of a mind fuck it is. You know, I love that he tells the guys like, hey, why don't you uh, go upstairs and give me a piece of cake? It was like his big distracting move. I was like, oh, I love that. That's so good. So good. 
<laughs> yep. I mean, playing it so cool, right? You don't need yeah. to, I guess, like, he's raising the stakes in his performance and in the filmmaking. So we don't necessarily have to force that in the storytelling or in the exposition. It's like, if somebody trusts you, you could tell them to leave the room for whatever reason, and they will. And I think that's a testament to his character, that his coworker is not even a little bit suspicious that he would hide anything from him. So he can basically yeah. be like, go snag me some cake, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we did, we didn't mention, but I think it makes sense why I like this movie so much that uh, the writer, Scott Frank created Queens Gambit, which one yes. of my favorite things that came out that year. And then also wrote out of sight and Logan, which was like, man, two banger, like yep. all his movies, just fucking bangers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I love the kind of clutch, yeah, the clutch writing that I think has like straight up like saved what was going on with the Wolverine side pieces, like really reined it in and made it into something amazing. And then like also to like have, yeah. yeah, yeah, but then also to have out of sight in the mix here too, with like a little bit of romantic tension and that vibe. Noir, just kind of another noir. Yeah, it's just yeah. nice, yeah, to see these things all still be able to come into the genre of sci-fi. I love when sci-fi, like sci-fi, just like horror, is able to co-op all these other genres, and I love that. Yep, exactly. Um, and speaking of that, uh, let's talk about our favorite stunts in this movie uh, because this is an action movie. This is movie buffs, after all. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what stunt or set piece did uh, did you like? Dude, the jetpack sequence, you know, while mm -hmm. the jetpacks are a little, you know, the Santa Claus or something, yep. they're still, the sequence itself is so fucking sick, like destroying buildings all over the place, burning shit, Tom Cruise driving his coworkers like suit around. I love that, that whole sequence and just the wire work alone. It's so impressive. I really miss these kinds of practical stunts. Really, really miss them. And I think it's funny you say that, too, because during the research, um, Steven Spielberg uh, said that one of the only, you know, about the futuristic aspects and everything, he said that the jetpacks are the only thing that haven't really held up as well, like today. And he said yeah. the only reason, though, he put that in there is because he liked those sort of, you know, sci-fi movie, like those movies with the jetpacks. He wanted to see a jetpack, guys. Uh, so that's Hell why he yeah. put a jetpack in his movie. And so I do respect that, you know, like what a king. Uh, yeah, <laughs> put, put, I want a jetpack in my movie. And so he put one in there. And that sequence is yep. amazing. Like the, him using the the railings as weapons and stuff and jumping in and out of buildings and using other. Yeah, like you said, like it's Spielberg knows how to film action, you know, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, all the Indiana yep. Jones movies, this guy is like the best uh, at so that. Good. So um, mm -hmm. so to, to, the, to that point, though, my other one is the other like cop showdown in the middle of the movie that comes after that where he's they're, they're in the car uh, warehouse uh, yes. or whatever. And I just I thought that speaking of that, like the way that it, it was filmed, like, uh, you know, there was the you know, like I said, the cars on the on the building where he's like running out. But this one was like, you know, he gets stuck in the car uh, yeah. and he's like, you know, and it, which has the it, it's a lot of yeah, levity keep moving. And mm -hmm. yeah, there's like these almost comedic beats where like his arm is like perfectly aligned to not get. <laughs> like hit yes. with these like stuff and it's like it's so impossible but uh spielberg loves putting in those like little beats to be like you know like you said to make it lighter make it fun um and more of a you know indiana jones like, it reminded me a lot of yes. you know how, how indiana gets away in these impossible situations but it's 
it's fun and you you like watching it um so that was like my yep. favorite and it also came out like uh pretty close to like star wars i want i can't remember which one had the the factory sequence with like r2 and c3po i think that was like revenge of the sith I think that came out like mm. a few years after this, but I just thought right. that was interesting too because uh, Lucas and Spielberg are like from the same Chums. movie brats, yeah, generation, and so th- it, I think it's interesting that their style of you know action and technology in in those two scenes, if you compare them, it's pretty, it's very similar. Um, yes, and so so yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, that was my absolutely. favorite. Absolutely, I. I was thinking the same thing. I also was like, oh, this has like Star Wars kinds of vibes in it. It has the same style of they're just missing things and that same adventure of Indiana Jones. And I just love how at the end of that sequence, when they're like running to the end of the assembly line to see if he's still in the car and he just like sits up and stares them down. (laughs) Such a good moment. Colin Farrell makes like a fist motion like, no. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, man. Like we were so so close. There's like a... Yeah, there's like a shark and jets vibe even to that moment. So there's yeah. something really intrinsic about it all. Oh, and I almost forgot. I almost forgot. And my favorite, favorite, favorite part of the sequence is there's a pump mm. action shotgun. It's the most badass fucking shotgun. Like instead of Hell like yeah. pu- pumping it like we do, it like flips around. And so every mm-hmm. time he shoots somebody, flips it around, shoots him again. Oh, man, that thing was all- it was like a little blaster thing. But um so, yeah so like whatever pump action shotgun the design on that to to think of twisting it rather than pumping it was was just like oh man that was awesome <laughs> yep yep yeah so such a cool thing yeah like again little details but so such a cool thing hell yeah uh what about the kills though yeah i was think? gonna say What's so obviously kill? we touched on this but my favorite kill is colin farrell's it's so cold spoiler alert it's so dirty mm. max von Sydow's out here like do you hear anything because i don't <laughs> because the precogs aren't there so no one's here to stop me from killing yep. you it's just such a baller moment in the story and it it kind of shows you exactly what is at stake here and and why this guy's is pushed to do what he thinks is right and so i just it's such a good scene um it's cold blood about you yeah, yeah and then he cold and as then hell. he he plants uh tom cruise's weapon too like it's like very uh you know in within his like trying to set up tom cruise too so um but yeah yep. that's it. i almost picked that um but i liked um even though it was kind of more of a suicide but like you know tom cruise mm. what, we're, what we're talking about does actually kill that guy even though he tried to stop it like it's that's like this, yeah. this whole the whole thing of the movie is like can you stop the future and he does try and arrest him but the guy kills himself anyway so i just like that it put the kill in a new perspective which is like the whole great brilliant Point. part part of this movie yeah is that like you see these scenes um and but you only get fragments of them these like memories the precogs have and it's up to tom right. cruise as like the orchestra conductor to edit them together and make a story out of it and make it make sense for us and so um in that scene it's like oh he's not the real killer and his his uh control in that scene and not killing him revealed the truth of the story so that's that's why that was that's my favorite right. kill. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, it all unfolds appropriately where again that's also true what tom cruise says earlier in the story like just because you stopped it from happening doesn't doesn't mean it wasn't going to happen and i think that is even more clearly stated in that scene and also i love that scene because it always makes me be like shit i still want answers damn it (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm like but still (laughs) give me answers this fucking guy's dead and now i can't like ask him any more questions shit so i i always Always get excited about like thinking oh that's right maybe we get more information and then sadly i'm always like oh no that's right like that is an incidental detail that just explains his character we like don't get any further information on what happened there which is kind of a downer or closure like i guess closure with the sun but like in a in this very similar thing with face off gets her knocked up again and everything is all it's like what is up with these action movies and just replacing the sons with other sons? It's so, (laughs) it's not ideal. I just, I never understand. Like, even if it was just Tom Cruise and the wife getting back together and attempting to like mend the relationship would have been enough, but they always have to have a new kid. It always has to have like, no, we need to replace the son. We need to replace the kid. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's such a weird move, but you're absolutely right. I have no, idea where that motivation comes from <laughs> uh, it's in all these action movies but um i'm gonna i'm gonna do some of these special features before we gotta get out of here because uh there is a lot but i'll try and run through these um yes okay so uh the precogs i mean this was it was bothering me the whole time but i so i'm glad it wasn't just my head but uh they're all named after famous writers i think the one that gives away the most agatha agatha christie arthur conan doyle right. and then uh dashiell hammett uh, so those were the precogs mm. uh, for the scene where Anderton holds his breath in the bathtub. Spielberg was going to do CGI, but Tom Cruise said, no, I do all my stunts myself and learn how to do it himself. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, right. Weird flex, but OK, That's Tom right. Cruise <laughs> never change. Uh, and then <laughs> <That's> uh, <right. laughs> the cinematographer did a bleach bypass in the film, um, you know, which helped create like that pristine silver look uh, and the desaturated mm-hmm. uh, colors, which we commented on. Uh, three years before the movie began, Spielberg assembled a team of 16 future experts in Santa Monica to brain out, brainstorm out the year 2054 for him. And, uh, I think they did a great, I think they did a great job shows, shows on, on the film. Kubrick moves. Nice. Yeah. And then speaking of Kubrick, uh, the film was almost shot a few years earlier, but Spielberg decided to do AI, uh, which was supposed to be Kubrick's film uh, instead. And Uh then uh, in that time, the Minority Report script was reworked. um, And and there's an alternate timeline where this movie was going to star Kate Blanchett as Agatha, Matt Damon as Witwer, Ian McKellen as Burgess. (laughs) So, yeah. So, well, right. It was going to be all over the place. That yep. would have been. It's a different movie. All over the place. It's I'm, a different movie. <laughs> I am really grateful uh, for the time. <laughs> yeah. I think it worked out. Whoa. I think it worked out. Yeah. Same. Same. <laughs> um, the scene where Lois Smith kisses Tom Cruise is not scripted. Tom's reaction is of genuine surprise. Uh, you know, let's go. I love that she does that. I can't believe she did that, and I love that Steve used it. Yeah, you know, it's she had like to sneak a sneak a smooch, move, a total assault, and Steve's like, "This is going in." <laughs> you have to sometimes. I mean, in the in the case of Tom Cruise, we already talked about how sometimes the sexuality needs to be brought out by a woman, even if it's an older woman. Uh, it needs to be brought out. <laughs> 
It's so good. It's so good. I mean, you're going to shoot. If you're that close to T- TC's face, you're going to shoot your shot. Shoot your right? shot. You can't get that close to him and not go for it. Layup. Wide open layup. Uh, okay, we got a couple more here. A couple more. Almost done. Uh, the adaptation of Minority Report was originally planned as a sequel to Total Recall uh, by the writers of the Total Recall movie. The setting was, right. was supposed to be Mars with the precogs, you know, being mutated by the atmosphere, just like, you know, in the ah. first film. Um, the main character was going to be Arch- Arnold Schwarzenegger again, but then it fell apart due to, uh, you know, the bankruptcy of uh, Carol Co., the production company. So, but I just thought that was, I mean, there's some Total Recall <laughs> stuff in here too, almost, you know, like very similar, uh, you know, questions of choice and free will and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, is, is in here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i glad it worked out again. I'm glad it worked out the way it did because I, I love a good, you know, Spielberg sci-fi flick like we talked about. Absolutely. Wish Colin Farrell wasn't in the reboot of Total Recall, but that's OK. Yeah, not 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 ideal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although the exact logistics of the predictive technology in Minority Report has not come to fruition, as of 2017, the first traces of predictive technology being used in law enforcement have begun to appear, which I just think is terrifying. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it is. Because it's definitely racist. Oh, yeah. That's not good. Yes, it's it supposedly works with the areas with the highest crime, but you can see where that would go. So it's racist. Very wrong. It's exactly. Yep. Exactly. Uh, two more for you. Two more. Two more. Uh, and the, oh, I already said this one. Yeah. So this was this was the one where uh, you know the time is exactly what Tom Cruise said it was fifty one minutes. And then the last yeah. one here is uh, I th- I just think this is a fun fan theory that uh, some people think that when Tom Cruise gets arrested uh, and and goes, you know, goes into that little chamber and he, they put the halo on mm-hmm. him that uh, he never escapes. And then everything we see after that is just Tom Cruise in the dream state. What do you think about that? Vanilla Sky. <laughs> Vanilla Sky 2. Yeah. So this is then. <laughs> turns out it's a sequel to Vanilla Sky. But yep. I feel like I heard somewhere that there is an alternate. Yeah, that there was an alternate ending or maybe in the story he hmm. doesn't. He is haloed permanently. But I remember or someone told me that like that didn't test well. So obviously they did this other ending. Hmm. But I really like that idea. That's actually pretty boss. That's cool. Steven Spielberg is just like the he's one of the best the best at playing with the he's studios. Of, I mean, yeah, right. Like top top ten directors easily, like top five probably. Uh, you know, uh, all time. So I mean, so this is just one that I, I'm glad we got to do 20 years anniversary, um, and that you know it doesn't get celebrated enough for some reason. I, I haven't seen people even talking about it not, uh, on the anniversary as as much as I feel like it deserves. So that's what the show is Same. for. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So when people are ready, they can jump on this bandwagon of appreciation for one of the greats. Um, All right. Uh, I think that wraps it up for us. Let's get our plugs in and get out of here. Remind the people where they can find you. Yeah. And it's on Showtime now. If anyone wants to revisit, that's where I saw it. So, Boom. Uh, yeah, you can follow the show, please, at Action Movie Buffs on Instagram. We got over 500 followers the other day, which was like, man, I, it's just crazy. The the amount of love we've been getting. Uh, so thank you guys. And then Twitter at rampage underscore misfit. And then my movie page is at misfit underscore minded, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, what about you? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shani B Movies. And if you came late to this live show, you can find this episode of Movie Buffs on Spotify and Apple Podcasts this Friday. Uh, tomorrow on Stream Queens, I'll be talking about episode four of Only Murders in the Building. And otherwise, uh, we'll have to talk behind the scenes about our next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that for sure. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time for another edition of Movie Buffs.